Hey guys, so welcome to the very first episode of Caffeine and Crime. My name is Allie. I also go by Allie Brienne from my beauty YouTube. Yes, I am a beauty YouTuber, but I also have a fiery passion for true crime. I decided the past few months that I really wanted to do a true crime podcast, but I wanted to make it to where you can actually see me and I can throw some stuff on the screen and that type of ordeal as we go too. So that's why this is also going to be a YouTube channel. So if you're listening just on the podcast, you can actually jump over to YouTube and watch this video and actually see me while I talk about each story, case, whatever you want to call it, each week. So if you have a very busy, crazy lifestyle and you like to just listen to podcasts on your way to work or on your way home, then you do have that option here. And I've always wanted to do a podcast, so this is just perfect for me. I, like I said, I've been a part of the beauty community with YouTube for close to two years now, and I love that. It's not something that I'm stopping, but I love true crime and I love like really getting invested in cases and like discussing them with others and yeah I'm a little bit of a weirdo when it comes to that but I know that that's what this is all about this community with true crime so I can't wait to hear from you guys and I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. I don't want this intro to be too long but since this is my first episode I did want to say a little bit about myself besides just being a beauty youtuber but I also do a lot of lifestyle stuff I'm a mom of two little boys that I know you guys will probably hear a lot about as we go but I'm also married I've been married for for five and a half years now yeah that's crazy to think about um but yeah, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, both boys, so my hands are full. They are redheads just like me. I am a redhead ginger. If you guys are interested in checking out any of my other stuff, you can go find me on Instagram. My personal is Hunt underscore two, and my beauty is Brienne underscore MUA. So you can definitely find out a lot more there. So I decided to start dabbling into some true crime, and like I said, this is a podcast and a YouTube, but I also will have a true crime blog posted on my blog that I've had for a few years now. And every Tuesday when one of these episodes go up, the blog will also go up, and it'll be talking about the same case, but it'll include photos or something that I may leave out on accident in this podcast. So. Make sure you go check it out. I will have it in the description box of this YouTube video, in the description box of the podcast, however I can. And as much info as I possibly can, I will put there. So for my first episode, I am deciding to do seasons because it would be nice to have a little bit of a break in between because I spend so much time on each case that I've been looking at. And for this one, I spent so much time on it, so there's no telling how much time I'm going to spend on longer cases. But I wanted to pick a case that was a little bit smaller, just so that my first one wasn't like too like full on on me. So, because I'm new to all of this, and I'm sorry if any audio or footage or anything like that gets messed up, because I'm used to YouTube, but not so much podcast platforms. 
So I chose the case Brooke Skyler Richardson for a couple of different reasons. For one, her trial was just this year in September. And I don't know, there's like some similar things that I have in common with her. So I don't know, I think I just kind of struck a chord with me. So Brooke Skyler Richardson was 17 years old when the story starts. This took place in, I, from what I have read, it's a smaller town. Now, I'm from a really small town, so I don't know for sure, like, what they mean by a small town, but it was in Ohio in a town called Carlisle. And Skylar was your typical popular high schooler, cheerleader, and she had good grades. She worked a job after school at the YMCA with children. Uh, so kind of like the daycare at the YMCA. She was already planning her life after school. So after senior year, she was already talking about college and what she wanted to do there. But deep down, Skylar did have some secrets that she wasn't letting anybody in her life really know about. She did have some eating disorders that just her family knew about and she really struggled with them, but she was holding back some other secrets that she literally did not tell a soul about. So I'm going to start this in August of 2016. So she was 17 and she started dating Trey Johnson. So they started talking the beginning of August and they say by mid-August they were dating. They were your typical teenage couple, going to movies, going out to eat, but he was actually coming over to her house and spending time with her and her family, which struck me as a little weird because I feel like that's like a little bit more serious than just like a boyfriend you've had for like a week. Maybe it's just me. He was like 18 or 19, so they, was, they were pretty close in age. During this time, and this is relevant for this case, they were intimate twice and only used protection once. Um, so from my experience with that, whether you're switching birth control, whether you're not using protection, please be careful. And you just never know what's going to happen. It's something to definitely have those discussions with your kids. And I know that I can't say too much on it because I would be a hypocrite because I am a teen mom, but I just feel like there's different maturity levels with teenagers and if your child is not mature enough to have those talks with you, then they should not be mature enough to go out and do those actions. So if they are, you should definitely be having those talks. By the end of August, Skylar, and you guys will probably hear me say Brooke and Skylar, but her first name is Brooke, but she does go by Skylar. So if I say Brooke, I am meaning Skylar, but I'm gonna try to stick to Skylar as much as possible. But my notes, I kind of started all of them by typing Brooke, <laughs> and then I tried to backtrack and type Skylar, but I'm sure there's still a few left. But by the end of August, Skylar did break off the relationship, saying that with senior year and college afterwards, she was going to be super, super busy and was not going to have time for a relationship. They say that they never spoke again. They said, you know, after like a teen breakup like that, it's not really typical that you do speak again. And I mean, honestly, that's how it is with a lot. So after that, she just kind of went on with her life. She started her senior year of high school. She was still getting good grades. Like I said, she was a cheerleader and she hung out with her friends, worked at the YMCA. Life just went on. 
So sometime in the winter, maybe early, or late fall, early winter month, she started talking to Brandon Saylor. And by January of 2017, they were officially dating. This was another typical average teenage couple that were hanging out, going to the movies, you know, whatever. By time the relationship did start to get a little bit serious, Skylar did go ahead and reach out to her mom and she told her about this and she said, you know, look, things are kind of getting serious now and her mom automatically was like, okay, I'm gonna set you up an appointment for birth control. So it is a little strange why Skylar never thought to go to her mom back in August since her mom was like pretty cool about it and was just kind of like, look, I'll set up the appointment for you. So her mom sets up the appointment for her and we are now in April of 2017. Brooke texts her mom and says that she's really nervous. She's not really wanting to go. She's literally freaking out. She just wants to back out of the appointment, which is pretty common with young teenage girls going to their first gyno appointment. I mean, I know that I was like a ball of nerves going because you don't really know what to expect. And it's just, it's uncomfortable to begin with. So it's just, I can understand where she was coming from for that. Um, she said that she was really stressed out though because prom, her senior prom was just around the corner and she was looking, she wanted to look amazing for it. And her mom replies to her, if you run, each day and if you eat better you can drop the weight quick which I don't know what type of mom would say that to their teenage daughter who was dealing with eating disorders which I believe were anorexia and bulimia so I don't understand why a parent would kind of touch on that type of uh, situation and like say stuff like that when their daughter is dealing with eating disorders but that's just me but then her mom says but we need to talk about the doctor thing because you are doing adult actions. Do you not want to get pregnant? Then there is no college because you will have to work to feed your baby. No joke. Who will raise it? And Skylar just replies with, okay, I'll go. Her mom tells her to go and that she'll pay for the visit and that getting through this appointment, and I quote this, is easier than childbirth. So on April 26, 2017, Skylar does go to her doctor's appointment for birth control that her mother sat up for her. Her nurse, Ashley, says that she has been doing this job for over four years. And typically young girls at their first gyno appointments do come in very nervous and just a ball of nerves, like I was saying. But she said out of all the time that she's been working there in those four years, that was an understatement for Brooke, Skylar, sorry. Um, she was very, very nervous and she said that she'd never really seen somebody come in and be like that, that shaken up over a gyno visit, which is, you know, kind of a he said, she said type of ordeal. So it's not like anybody has proof of how she really was. And if she's a really nervous person, then she was really nervous, you know? So Ashley does her weight her vitals, all that kind of stuff, and then brings in Dr. Andrew, who is actually acquainted with this family. He actually is Kim Richardson, which is Skylar's mom. He's her doctor, and he actually delivered Skylar and her brother. So he's 
kind of familiar with this family. He sees her and he says he's going to do a pelvic exam, which she downright refuses and says no. He says, okay, that's fine. Um, and then she just says she wants the birth control. So he says that's fine. He gets her birth control. So he says that he's going to send her birth control prescription in. After the appointment, her mom texts her and says, did he say anything about your stomach? I want to keep being honest and open. Even dad asked me about your tummy. So please find a way to get yourself back ASAP. Like what the actual, I mean, like who says that in general to their daughter, but like their daughter who has an eating disorder? Skylar says, okay, I will go for a run here soon. I'm about to do an ab workout. Her mom replies, okay, good. I'm fighting this with you. Then she says, I just got a call. Your prescription is ready. I'll pick it up tomorrow. Skylar actually goes and picks it up that day and she starts her birth control that day. Now we are on May 1st, 2017. Senior prom is just a few days away and Kim texts her daughter a picture of an email she got from the doctor's office, which was kind of like a mess up. Mind you, now that we're in April and May, Skylar's now 18 and no longer 17. So there is a HIPAA Privacy Act with patients that you cannot even give information to parents of people over 18. So they accidentally sent this email to Kim instead of Skylar. And in the corner of this picture that she sends to Skylar, it says PT pregnant. Kim says, what does PT pregnant mean? Skylar replies, no clue. I can call later or something and see. Kim replies, you should call right now. Are you joking later? Skylar says, sorry, I just got to school. I'll call now. Kim says, your life could potentially be over and you will call later. And then she sends the number to Skylar. And Skylar says, no, sorry. I meant like I figured it was probably just a mistake. You're scaring me. And then she texts her mom again and says, please still have a good day, mommy. I'm sorry if you are stressed now, but I wouldn't be getting any smaller if I was, and I wouldn't be on birth control. I love you. Please don't be mad at me or sad. It was just an accident. Please, let's have a good day. It's prom week. Kim says, I cannot tell you how my heart stopped because I care too much and want you to have a future. That eliminates all of that. I will, I just need a few hours to adjust. And then she sends like a couple sighs, like she's sighing with relief. Skylar says, so did mine. I'm so sorry. That freaking freaked me the freak out too. I was shaking. I'm sorry again. Okay, let's make today great. I understand. Okay, so a little while later in the day, they're talking about prom and, and they're once again discussing Skylar's weight, which I just think is so inappropriate right here. But Skylar says, I've been killing it this past week. Like, I feel like I'm getting a hang of what works for me and how you control my weight and hunger with those pills have been a big help too. So now we know that her mom is helping her control her weight and hunger with pills which you later find out were actually laxatives and green tea diet pills. Yes, that is actually a true thing. Her mom says, I know those pills are good. We can do this. Still referring to giving her child with an eating disorder, whether she's 18 or not. This poor girl has an eating disorder and her mom is like, 
giving her these green tea diet pills and laxatives. Just a mess. Skylar says definitely. There's messages on May 2nd, 2017 talking about cramps. She tells her mom that she's cramping so bad and that it's her time of the month. There's a message on May 4th that Skylar burned 300 calories on the treadmill, said that she was, quote, looking great. So May 5th rolls around, and this is Skylar's senior prom that she's going to with Brandon. Brandon is a junior. She is a senior. At prom, Skylar tells Brandon that she's having really bad cramps, and it's just from her period. He feels really bad, so they go home early. And he, you know, lets her lay down and tells her to relax. And, you know, he ends up going home and just texts her throughout the night, like checking in on her, making sure that she's okay and all that. Um, he also texts her and just says, I know that you're hurting really bad, so don't worry about the game tomorrow. And he's actually referring to a baseball game that Skylar's parents bought tickets to for Brandon's birthday for them to all go together. Skylar says, no, it's your birthday, so we're going whether I'm in pain or not. And there's a lot of mushy texts that were really awkward for them to read in front of everybody in that courtroom, but I will skip most of them, I promise. On May 6th, Skylar and her parents take Brandon to the ball game for his birthday that evening where she's still cramping really bad, and she ends up going home that night. She tries to make the best of it, but when she goes home, she texts Brandon and just says that she's going to relax and go to bed because the cramps are hurting so bad and he feels bad for her. So the next morning around 11.30, she texts both of her, her mom and Brandon and lets them know that she's feeling much better. Skylar continues weight loss journey. She graduates from high school and she's still working her job at the YMCA over the summer. So now we're going to fast forward to July 12th, 2017, when Skylar is needing a refill on her birth control. So she tells her mom, I want to say her mom actually got a call saying that, you know, you need to refill it. So Skylar says, don't worry about it. I'll call him and I'll schedule it. This time she schedules an appointment with the other doctor in the office, Dr. Boyce. It's a female doctor, so people want to kind of speculate that maybe she felt more comfortable going to a female doctor over a male doctor. She goes to her appointment and she gets her prescription refilled and then she goes on with her day. A couple days later, on July 15th, Skylar and Brandon are visiting her grandma when her, her dad pulls into the driveway of their house. And when he gets out, he sees that there is an officer. This officer is Lieutenant Fane, and he informs Skylar's dad, Scott, which I have not mentioned. Scott Richardson is Skylar's dad. He informs Scott that Skylar may have been a witness to something, and they needed to bring her in for questioning. The dad goes to the grandma's house and gets Skylar, and then he drives her to the police station for questioning. For questioning, Skylar's placed in a very small interrogation room with Lieutenant Fane and somebody named Katie. I'm assuming she's another officer investigator. So they start off by just asking her questions about herself. So you graduated from high school. So are you planning on going to college in the fall? Where are you working right now? Oh, at the YMCA. What are you doing there? Those type of questions. She says, yes, I graduated. I am thinking about going for psychology in college and probably to work with developmental work with children. 
At the YMCA, she works with kids from six weeks old to 11 or 12 years is what she says. So as they're easing her into these questions, Lieutenant Fane finally says something about the doctor's appointment that she went to on April 26th for birth control. And Skylar just says, yeah, you know, it was for birth control. That's pretty much it. So she seems confused until they mention her more recent appointment with Dr. Boyce. And when they asked her what it was for, again, she says birth control. So they kind of keep asking, you know, well, then what happened there? And she says she told them what had happened. Lieutenant Fane says what had happened. Skylar, with a very shaky voice, replies that I had had my baby and it wasn't alive. I didn't kill her, though. I know, right? Like, oh my god. Insane. This chick was actually pregnant. So I'm going to re rewind back to April 26th at her first doctor's appointment that she had with Dr. Andrew for birth control. Dr. Andrew had come in after her weight and vitals were taken, and, you know, Ashley had kind of informed him of, like, the kind of state she was in, that she was very nervous and, you know, that type of ordeal. You know, she refused the pelvic exam and stuff like that, and then she just wanted, the only thing she wanted was birth control. What so, caught Dr. Andrew off guard was when he was looking at his notes from Ashley, when Ashley had asked Skylar when your last menstrual cycle was, Skylar replied a couple weeks ago. So when Dr. Andrews then turned around and asked Skylar again when her cycle was, she said, um, I think I had one last month. So that really alarmed him and he was like, we're going to do a urine sample so we can do a pregnancy test. So they have Skylar do this urine sample and Ashley actually does the dip in pregnancy test to which she sees that it confirms it, that she is in fact pregnant, and she takes the news to Dr. Andrews, who then has to turn around and tell Skylar that she is in fact pregnant. Skylar freaks out. She says, I can't have a baby, I can't tell anybody. She's hysterical. He calms her down, he tells her that teen pregnancy happens all the time, he tells her that it's really important that he gets the measurements and that he does an abdominal ultrasound. So he measures her stomach, which was a huge ordeal during this trial of how big this baby was. So him measuring with the ultrasound and with his measuring tape, which he couldn't remember if he used a measuring tape or if he just did it with his hands because he's so used to measuring, is what he said. He measured 32 weeks and he told her within the next 10 weeks, you will deliver this baby. So I need you to come back in this week for another appointment so we can do a more full on exam and make sure everything is okay. So Dr. Andrews says that he told her that she could no longer have the birth control because she obviously is pregnant. But Skylar says that he never mentioned it, which you know what, at that point she might've just been very hysterical and didn't even hear him. Who knows? It's, again, he said, she said situation. Skylar never called and Dr. Andrews actually had his receptionist reach out and try to call Skylar twice and nothing ever happened. She never answered. She never wanted to come in for that appointment. And again, because of this HIPAA Privacy Act, they could not reach out to her parents or say anything to her parents. Skylar said that her mom told her that the birth control was ready that day. She went and picked it up and she started taking it. 
when she was asked about it, she stated, I didn't think it would hurt anything. Even though we have no proof if Dr. Andrews said that she couldn't take it, the proof I think is in the text that I just read you guys from her mom. And I'm gonna quote that again. She said, please still have a good day, mommy. I'm sorry if you are stressed now, but I wouldn't be getting any smaller if I was, and I wouldn't be on birth control. So this girl knew, she knew that if you're pregnant, you shouldn't be on birth control. With that being said, when asked if birth control would affect the baby during the trial, Dr. Andrews did mention that no, I don't think it would have any effect on the baby, which I do think is kind of weird because usually any type of prescription drugs has a risk even with just birth defects. So that's kind of strange. I mean, with my first son, I was put on a prescription for being nauseated all the time and I took it maybe twice and I just freaked out and I was like I don't think I could take this I'm afraid it might do something I kid you not three years later when I was pregnant with my second son I found out that that exact medication was recalled for birth defects so so glad I did not take that throughout my whole pregnancy but and I do want to state that I was 17 at the time when I made the decision not to take something that would potentially help me but could harm my child. I just want to throw that out there because I feel like a lot of people want to uh, say that this whole thing is just about a little immature 17 year old when there is a lot of people out there who were 17 and had a kid and took this whole situation a whole different route than this. I'm reading you guys facts, but when I talk about this kind of stuff, this is just my opinion. I don't want anybody coming at me. This is just what I think. After the appointment, like I said, she went on with her life and talked to her mom a lot about prom and weight loss. During an interview with Lieutenant Fain, she says she knew she was far along, but she didn't know the exact amount of weeks until Dr. Andrews told her 32 weeks. She confirmed that she was getting big and had a suspicion she was pregnant, and also that she felt the baby move a lot but was too scared to tell anybody. Those cramps she felt at prom and during the ball game were in fact her body going into labor. Skylar wasn't aware that Ashley, Dr. Andrew, and Dr. Boyce all informed each other and contacted authorities. Ashley noted a 19 pound drop in weight in just those few months. A lot of Dr. Boyce's memory is a little hazy because she was in such shock. She remembers questioning her, did anyone know? Did anyone hear you have the baby? And Brooke just says no. And you know, Brooke is crying, Skylar, sorry, is crying at this point. The conversation continues with Dr. Boyce saying, you know, labor is extremely painful. And Skylar replies, yes, yes it is. Dr. Boyce was the first person that Skylar told and she had her baby the morning of May 7th, 2017. She says around 3.30 a.m. This kind of like touches a nerve with me a little bit and I know like it's just a coincidence that this happens but my youngest son is actually, was actually born on May 7th, 2016. So when this baby was born, my baby was celebrating his first birthday. After confirming the date with the investigators, she asked, am I in trouble? And you kind of see a lot of these questions throughout a lot of this interview if you do go and watch it on YouTube or wherever. Um, the blog I mentioned, I will have stuff like that linked at. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is just 
kind of her thinking about her own self during this time. And she asked a lot, am I in trouble? Can I go home after this? She says, I'm sorry a lot. It's, it's difficult to watch, honestly. Her walkthrough of May 7th with prompting questions like when, what, and where, this is what they got out of her. And I mean, it took a while for them to get it out of her because they had to just keep asking the same questions over and over again. But she says that she had the baby, she was in the bathroom, she was seated on the toilet, and that's when she had the baby. She could feel that something needed to come out. She said, I don't think it happened, referring to her water breaking. She said she pushed and it came out. It wasn't breathing or crying. When asked if it was head first, she just said, I don't know, I just tried. I never meant to hurt her. She couldn't remember if the cord was still connected. She acted like she did not know what a placenta was, what a cord was. Again, if your children are old enough to do adult actions like that, if they're old enough to sit down and have not only a sex talk, but a talk about how babies are created and what all comes with that in birth, I feel like. And at this point, the mom knew the, with the second boyfriend, so I just feel like that conversation should have been had. Skylar's younger brother was only, I think, like two years younger than her, so it's not like she was, like, well aware of, like, a pregnant body or a pregnant woman and what they go through. She did work with six-week-old babies, though, so she knew a little bit more about babies than she what she leads on in a lot of these um, interviews. She quoted that a lot came out with the body, and yes, she called it the body, but she said she buried it all together. When asked if she was okay, she replies with, yeah, I just don't want anything to happen to me. I didn't mean to hurt her. Lieutenant Fane asked what happened next. She said, I held her waiting for her to wake up, but I had to bury her. Will I get in trouble for that? Skylar says she wrapped her baby in a towel. She dug a shallow grave in the tree line in the middle of the night and placed her baby in the grave after taking the towel off of her. Skylar claims she cleaned up the blood with towels that she threw away a few days later somewhere else and not even at her house. She said she had cramps throughout the day, which caused her not to sleep. Lieutenant Fane tells Skylar that the medical staff, Dr. Andrew, Dr. Boyce, and Ashley were concerned that she was planning an abortion. Skylar denied the statement right off the bat and said, I would never. She asked the doctor about getting an abortion though, and she does let them know this. They, they told her it was impossible due to how far along she was in her pregnancy, which leaves me with, why would you state, I would never, if in fact you asked your doctor for the abortion. So that was just a little strange to me. When asked if she had searched for ways to have an abortion on the internet, she stumbled over her words and ended up with, I can't honestly remember. I promise I didn't try to kill her. They kept prompting this because from that, just like myself, they thought, okay, this girl looked up some stuff. She finally says she looked up how to have an abortion without going to a doctor. She says she Googled it, but she never tried it. She quotes, I didn't try to kill my baby. Lieutenant Fane explains what a forensic search is on a phone and that they will in fact be doing one on her phone. At this point, she gets very anxious. She starts running her hands through her hair. Her overall body language is very nervous and just, like I said, ball of nerves. They pressed her on the searches and she finally says, I don't know. 
I don't know what I really plan to do. And then she confessed that she searched how to get rid of a baby. This girl cannot even keep her story straight. And these people are literally getting all this out of her. There's no lawyer present. It's just, it's a mess. Right after she says how to get rid of a baby, she then says, oh, that sounds really bad now. I'm sorry. Lieutenant Fane steps out of the room because at this point he is contacting the other police officers that are actually at the house marking off the crime scene and getting ready to dig up any remains that they can because this has been a few months. While he's gone, she looks at Katie and she says, please be honest, what is going to happen? I don't want to go to jail. Skylar is very frantic and she says, I don't want to go to jail. She says this a few times and what's the worst that's going to happen? I didn't mean to kill my baby. To me, that just sounds like a confession. Again, this is just my opinion and what I think, but if the baby was in fact stillborn, I don't really feel like that's something that somebody would say. Skylar says, finally, it's like she's talking to herself. She says, everything will be okay. The worst part is over. Like the worst part is not burying your child. She says, do you think they, they think I killed her? She is also concerned that she won't be able to go to college in the fall. She even asks, you're not sugarcoating it, are you? When Brooke is told her parents will be coming in to see her, she just keeps asking, and then I'll be able to go home, right? And Lieutenant Fane replies, well, that's what we're working on. And I kid you not, Skylar looks over at that Katie and just gives her, like, this death glare. And Katie just says, Something along the lines of, I wasn't sure of all the details, you know, I just said, you know, you just need to calm down. So her parents come in for about 30 minutes. They have a little bit of time to talk to her before she's asked to go back to her house, to the crime scene, to point out where she, in fact, buried her baby. Mr. Richardson says, you should have just told us. And Mrs. Richardson cuts in right there and says, I know, I mean, kids get pregnant every day. Pregnancy isn't the end of the world. And I'm just like... That's not what you text your daughter. That's not what you told your daughter. Mrs. Richardson then starts right off with the reputation card talking about how neighbors and friends and everybody knows about this already. I can say that Skylar talking to the investigators about her baby, she said it some, but she mainly referred to her baby as she and her. With her parents, she just calls her baby it throughout the whole thing. The dad questions about the doctor's office and how they would be stupid enough to give somebody who's pregnant birth control pills. And Skylar just acts like, oh, I don't know, you know, which I kind of think it was just a mess up. Like they had already called in the prescription and maybe forgot to cancel it out or thought they canceled it out. Probably thinking that this girl's pregnant. Obviously she's not going to take this, but little did they know. The dad keeps questioning her, like, why were you in here for so long? And she said, oh, I just had to tell them everything. He's like, well, you know, what is everything? She said, well, they were asking me, like, if I looked up how to have an abortion. He said, well, did you? To where she replies, no, I told them everything. Mr. Richardson asks a few times if everything she said is true. And you kind of get the feeling like he's not even believing his own daughter. Skylar finally says to her parents, will you always love me? And her dad replies, yes, we love you. And Brooke says, do you believe me? And her dad says, how are we supposed to? We don't know what's true. Mrs. Richardson out of nowhere, like it's dead silent for a little bit. And Mrs. Richardson says, Skylar, you're not going home with us. Skylar, I'm telling you, it makes me sick. 
that cute little bag of, and it sounds like she says popcorn that you had. I don't know, it's weird. And then she says, you'll never finish. And Brooke at this point, Skylar, sorry, just interrupts and yells, mom. And her dad says, says honey, stop. And Skylar says, do you have any idea how I feel? And Mrs. Richardson says, do you have any idea how we feel? Skylar says, I had my dead baby by myself. And Mrs. Richardson says, you could have gotten a Skylar. I would have helped you. I've always told you that. I've told you I would always be here for you. I have always told you that I love you. How do you, how do you think I feel about my baby? Skylar says, I'm sorry, mommy. Mrs. Richardson says, I'm losing my child and I've done everything right. Oh my God. Huge eye roll right there. Mr. Richardson cuts in and says, you both stop it. We don't know what's going to happen with this yet. If she told them the truth, I don't know what they could charge her with. I don't think they could put her in prison. I didn't, it doesn't mean what you did wasn't wrong. It doesn't mean it won't be in, you won't be in trouble, but we don't know yet. Let's not go there. Mrs. Richardson says, I'm sure the word is out and there is a crime scene at our house. And Skylar says, just tell them it's a misunderstanding. Like, no, it's a not a misunderstanding. Like, you buried your kid in your backyard. Mrs. Richardson starts sobbing about other life troubles, and a lot of the rest of the video is her, like, rummaging through her purse, which is so loud and irritating. I just want to know how parents that are living, like, they... Skylar was still living at home. Like, she literally was there her entire pregnancy. And I'm like, you did not know that your daughter was 32 weeks pregnant. I'll come back to that though. Skylar is taken to the crime scene. She shows the exact location. She said where she placed the baby and she had actually sat a flower pot on top of the grave. They said that the grave was so shallow and this is a little hard to hear, but the grave was so shallow that no digging tools were needed. They literally took a brush and were able to brush away the dirt and collect the skeletal remains and there was little to no tissue left whatsoever after three months of being out there. Of this, a full autopsy couldn't be performed. All that was able to be done was an examination of the bones. They actually, in fact, measured 38 to 40 weeks. So she was completely full term. So Dr. Andrews was off on the measurements, a pretty big amount. And I think that's why it was such a big thing at the doctor's office because, I mean, that would have made her like, what, 35, 36 weeks at the doctor's office. So that brings me back to like her parents. And I know I started showing with my first kid at probably like 12 to 14 weeks. And that was with my first kid. And I was little. I was like around Brooke's size, Skylar's size then. But what I wanted to say is even if that could get by, I kid you not, 35 weeks and 36 weeks, my stomach like doubled in size. Like it was ginormous. So how they did not catch onto this, I have no idea. There is some photos of them from the prom and that type of ordeal that I will have over in my blog if you guys want to check it out. A pathologist, Dr. Susan Brown, she was roasted during this trial. She states that there was fractures on the skull. She said there was also a puncture wound. She's unable to identify if these happened before the baby was buried or after. I kind of feel like, I mean, babies 
bones in general are so soft and fragile to begin with. And I feel like if what Skylar said, having her baby in the toilet, if it just plopped into the toilet, I feel like that could have caused some fractures to the head. I mean, that's just my opinion, but I kind of feel like that could have happened there. Or the flower pot she put on top of a very shallow grave, I feel like could have done that as well. Dr. Brown also stated there was thermal, thermal injury, which means that some of the bones um, had been a little charred, like maybe Brooke had tried to burn the remains. So when that is discovered, that is when Skylar is brought back into the interrogation room for the second interview. And at this time, more people are going out to the house and trying to get the missing pieces of bones that they're still sadly missing from this baby. So this is the interview where Skylar is questioned about having skull fractures and you know Skylar just says I didn't think she was breathing I may have squeezed her too hard I didn't mean to kill her so this just really clouds everybody's thoughts on like what even went down this night she does tell them in this interview that she named her baby Annabelle and Katie is no longer in the room there's a woman named Brandy and Brandy asks a lot of the questions she says what about fire? And Skylar says, what fire? And Brandy says that there's evidence of her being burned. And Skylar says, I didn't burn her. I swear on anything. I'm sure of that. They, this Brandy keeps like really digging and digging and keeps asking, keeps asking, presses her on it. And Skylar just keeps saying no, no. And she also says that the baby was still attached that she wasn't sure if the baby was attached to a cord or not still. She's all over the place. Again, no lawyer is present. It's just a very messy interrogation room. After pressing her for a while, and at this point, Lieutenant Fane is also pressing her because they have what they say, in quote, proof of thermal injury to this baby's body. She finally says that she grabbed a small lighter and after digging the shallow grave, she placed the baby in and tried to light the bottom portion to cremate the body. When asked if the body actually caught fire, her response was, I guess. And that's, she apply, replied with a lot of I guess and maybes throughout this whole interview. While watching this interview, you do get the feeling that they're putting a lot of words in her mouth, um, which is very devastating because it's like nobody's ever gonna know what truly went down that night. She confesses that she does maybe heard a little bit of a gurgle or a cry while the baby was in the toilet, which leads everyone to think that this baby was alive. And towards, towards the end of this video, during the interview, it's brought to Skylar's attention that she's in fact getting arrested because of trying to cremate her baby because this is in fact something that they can use to arrest her with. They tell her she can talk to her parents before they take her and she agrees. While waiting for her parents to come in, she asks questions like, will the judge be nice? What am I going to have to wear in jail? I'm going to have to sleep there. Just, again, thinking of Skylar. Mr. Richardson walks in and says, honey, tell us what's going on. The police said you have to tell us because you're 18. And Skylar says, I tried to cremate the baby just a little. He then asks, so you delivered a live baby? And Skylar replies with, yeah, I think, but I'm not sure. Skylar's arrested and she is in jail for seven days before being bailed out. Three other anthropologists, pathologists who work and like examine these remains of this baby 
um, were brought in to examine the bones. They three claim that there is actually in fact no thermal injury whatsoever and that when the first woman, Susan Brown, looked at the bones, they appeared to be wet in those photos and that's why they looked a little charred. So there's actually no evidence of these bones ever being burned, so Skyler shouldn't have even been arrested from that, apparently. I can say Dr. Susan Brown still claims that there was thermal inj injury. She never backed down from that. She does think that the baby was alive when it was born, but just looking at the bones, there is no evident proof of that. So on July 24, 2017, a third search warrant is taken to the house and this time they go inside of the house to where they can examine the whole area which I kind of feel like should have happened the day that they went and got the remains. I feel like they should have looked into the situation then. Apparently they didn't. They process the house for any blood to collect electronics and take photos for evidence. They took phones, tablets, that type of ordeal. They took a DNA swab from Skylar. They also went over to Trey Johnson's house and took a swab from him to make sure that he was, in fact, the baby's dad, which he was. And what they found was odd was that Skylar's bed had been moved. They found that out because when they performed the Blue Star, which is a chemical that responds and lights up to blood, when they applied it, underneath where her bed was now at, a big area lit up. The officer at the scene said it almost looked like a baby's torso, like maybe she had had the baby in her room. I don't know, that's just what was said. But when Blue Star was performed in the bathroom, there was so much blood that one of the officers actually like kind of chuckled a little bit because he was so shocked at how much blood there was which in turn the defense took with and ran with saying, why is that funny when the officer was just like, I was just in shock that there was that much. The defense in the courtroom did want to kind of rule out as much of this blood as possible by saying, did you know that Blue Star reacts to bleach and cleaner? Which may be true, but at the same time, there's going to be blood present if this girl went through childbirth. I'm just saying that. They cut out the piece of carpet for evidence. Uh, lighters, all the pills, her birth control laxatives and diet pills, and like I said, electronics were taken for evidence. Blue Star was used in the hallway leading to the bathroom, and there was footprints visible leading to the bathroom from, like, blood. A tote was found in the house that was filled with three empty bleach containers and four to five empty alcohol bottles, which is still a little odd, and... I don't really know what I believe here, but I know a lot of people do think that her mom was in on it too, knew about it and helped her with everything, and then just tried to play it off like her parents never knew anything. A professor was brought in to talk about Skylar's false confession and trying to rule out that the second interview was definitely a false confession because of how, them like putting words in her mouth. A psychologist was even brought in to talk about a diagnosis of personality disorder that started when she was sexually abused when she was 13 or 14 by a boyfriend and from there Skylar had a personality disorder and had a really hard time with people of authority so that would explain a false confession and being too scared to tell anybody about her pregnancy. 
a school counselor said that she never thought Skylar looked pregnant and that she could never see Skylar doing anything of that sort. I can say throughout all of this, the prosecutor's research made a lot of sense for this trial and I feel like towards the end, the prosecutor really did kill this case. When I There was internet searches that popped up from April 17th. 2017 of what happens at your first gyno visit, what happens at the gyno when you're pregnant. They were both deleted and were found, but no other searches were found. So there was no proof of those for evidence either of how to get rid of a baby or anything like that. So could that have been a false confession too? We will never know. So at this point, emotions are high. And if you're like me, you may be a little torn. At one point, I kind of feel for this poor girl because she is very, very immature. Her parents obviously have not filled her in on a lot about life. And it kind of sounds like she's gotten she's gotten everything handed to her too, which kind of makes us a little bit extra in the immaturity level. You feel bad because, I mean, those text messages from her mom are just like horrific. This girl has a person personality disorder. She has eating disorders. So it's a devastating thing. And honestly, if her baby in fact was born dead and you know, this baby could have even died from falling into the toilet. You just never know. That would be a awful thing to go through. I'm not saying it's right whatsoever. It's just an awful situation. That's kind of how I felt on this whole ordeal until Brandon Saylor was brought to the courtroom. They decided to pull up all history of text messages from the morning of May 7, 2017. So this is after giving birth and burying her child the same day. I do want to say how bad I feel for Brandon at some point though because not only was this super embarrassing for him to have read throughout and he didn't have to read it but he was on the stand while it was being read and it was just super awkward and you really feel for him. And at this point during the trial, I what I factored from it was that they were no longer together, which I'm sure made things a lot worse because it had been a couple of years and it was just really awkward. And back at that time, they even, you see the contact names. So in his phone, Skylar is Skylar with a heart. And in her phone, Brandon's name, instead of Brandon, is actually Big Dick Willie, which is so embarrassing and he chose for his face to not be seen during this and I'm sure that's why. So on May 7, 2017, after giving birth and burying her kid, Brandon texts, good morning, beautiful babe. Skylar replies around 11.30 and says, good morning, my amazing boy. He says, how do you feel? And she says, I'll tell you all about it later. But last night was like the worst ever. And I didn't go to sleep till 5.30, but I feel so much better this morning. I'm happy. This, it kills me. This just, it hurts my stomach. It kills me how this girl talks throughout these text messages. Brandon says, good babe, I hate that you went through that without me. And Skylar says, it's okay, I'm just so glad it's over now. He says, me too, babe, I'm so glad you're doing, you're done feeling bad. She, she says, says, so am I, I hope I never feel like that ever again. That was traumatic. He says, I know, babe, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. She says, I'm about to get off and then work out for a bit and then go home and get ready. My family's gonna eat probably a, like 4th, 45-ish. If you want to come over, 
if you'd like to come and then we can hang out, is what she says. Later that night, after hanging out, they discussed their love for each other over and over again. But one message that really stuck out to me was from Skylar. She texted him saying, you plus my family plus my dogs equals the perfect life with hearts. So now I'm going to rewind back to that morning of May 7th at 1130. While she's texting Brandon, she also texts her mom. She texts her mom, I'm literally speechless with how happy I am. I'm My belly is back. OMG. I am never, ever, ever, ever letting it get like this again. You're about to see me look freaking better than before. OMG. This text message was deleted, but it was recovered. It is just, it makes me sick to my stomach. Her mom says, that's what I'm talking about. Way to be great attitude. It paid off. I am so, so proud. You will look amazing at school tomorrow. Skyler says, I am literally so excited now just for dinner to wear something cute. Yay, my belly is back. Now I am taking this opportunity to make it amazing. Is that not strange for her daughter to say, like, my keep saying my belly is back? That's what makes, I think, a lot of people think her mom did know something about this. Skyler talks about being in a little pain but working out all day and how she couldn't stop looking at herself in the mirror. At dinner that night, she bled through her clothes and texted her mom that she was changing into jeans and asked how her mom's day was. Her mom said, not too bad. How was yours? Skylar says, great. I feel like a literal new person. I'm confident and happy. I have been strutting down every hallway, killing it, and been thinking about how awesome I'm going to look this summer. Literally the same day she buried her daughter. Kim says, yay, now that made my day. More disturbing messages back and forth about Skylar's body. On May... 18th, so this is a little while later, a couple weeks later, and mind you, during her weight loss journey after giving birth to her child that nobody knew about, she was working out every single day, and literally every single day she went to the bathroom at the gym, took pictures of her body, and sent them to her mom for praise. But on May 18th, she texted her mom, you know what's crazy? When I went to the gyno on April 26th, I was 149 pounds, and today, on May 18th, I weighed 119 pounds. That's literally 30 pounds gone. Kim says, literally amazing and crazy to do the math on that. I'm so proud of you to do this for you, and you are so happy now. That's all I ever want for you. Again, pushing weight loss on a daughter with eating disorders. On July 12th, after the appointment... Skyler says, finally all good. Everything is all good. My prescription will be ready in about two hours so I can go get it later. I like the lady. I went to a lot better. I think I will keep going to her. And her mom says, great. See, all the better and done. Little did she know that's when they were contacting the police. After her phone was taken away from her, there was some messages between her and Brandon on Kim's phone. I guess she just thought that they were never going to take Kim's phone, but they did. Skyler texted Brandon and this is after there's all these people at her house. There's a crime scene marked off It's all over the news that there's a baby remain baby remains are found in her backyard and Skylar texts Brandon says I'm so so sorry. Are you going to break up with me? Brandon says no. Can you start to explain what's going on and Skylar says not really right now They were investigating something in our backyard. They had to talk to all of us It was terrible and scary and horrible and we can't even go home right now with all the people at our house Are you going to leave me? Brandon says I'm here. I love you and I will support you no matter what I just need to know what's really going on I'm always gonna be here for you 
the same text kind of go back and forth that he's here for her. She's sorry, but she just says, I can't say much right now because of everything, but it's fine. And she also says, thank God I couldn't handle the thought of losing you. She talks about the media and how it's going to say crazy things, but asks him to please stay with her. Brandon tells her that he will be with her no matter what, and he's lucky to have... And then she says that she's so lucky to have him. Brandon does say is one of the biggest questions is who the father was. And she tells him about Trey and all the details. I don't understand why they wouldn't call each other so that they wouldn't have this evidence. But again, they're just stupid, immature kids. Brandon says he just wished that the baby was his since he's her boyfriend. That just... It's literally like, you mean the baby that she buried in her backyard and you have no idea what happened to this baby beforehand. It's just, ugh. I do want to get to the verdict on all of this. So, Skylar was going up against aggravated murder, involuntary manslaughter, child endangerment, and abuse of a corpse. The prosecutor nailed the closing argument, I think, anyways. She said that the defendant never had any intention on having her daughter. The decision of Brooke's daughter's life was made before her child was born. She was never going to see the light of day. That was her perfect life, and baby Richardson never fit into that equation. Referring to the text, you plus my family plus my dogs equals the perfect life. I don't want to get into the defense because I'd be here forever. It was a slideshow about how they should think about making their decision, talking about the jury, how to make their decision on instead of what has been said about the evidence and the facts. The prosecutor finished up and by how good it was pulled off, the defense you could tell was livid. Trey Johnson's mother made a touching statement about her granddaughter. She stated, I would have taken her in a heartbeat and raised her with my son and you could have gone to college and your life. So obviously she thinks that there was some foul play there. Mr. Richardson also made a statement that was two seconds and I was actually shocked that this is what he had to say. He said she is having a hard time with an eating disorder. So anything you can do to get her home to us as soon as possible so we can help her get through it. The defense also played the eating disorder card and said she has had to live through enough and for the jury to take that into consideration. Mrs. Brooke Skyler Richardson statement was, thank you, your honor. I would do anything and above what you would ask and I understand that. I just wanted to say how sorry I was. I can sometimes be selfish and I would like to think that I have become better knowledge that I have upset everyone and hurt so many people with everything I've done, and I'm so sorry. And as she looks at Trey Johnson's mom, she again says, I really, really, I'm really, really sorry, and I understand. Thank you. The judge does state that Skylar showed a disregard for life, and the jury deliberated for over four hours, and as the verdict is given, Skylar's, of course, sobbing. She is found not guilty on all, all of them, but abuse of a corpse. She is found guilty of that and she could face up to six months in a county jail. But instead, the judge gives her three years community control and seven days of county jail and he credited her seven days that she already spent after the thermal injury and all that came into effect. So this girl got to go straight home and just serve three years community control, which she's still doing. Like I said, this happened in, this trial happened in September of this year. He did tell her that since she did show a disregard for life, if she violated her community control, she could face up to 12 months in prison. 
Annabelle Richardson's remains had been released to the Richardson family with regard to proper burial and the Johnson's family present. So just from all of this, I am pretty, like, like I said, I told you guys my thoughts on this before I read the text messages. After the text messages, there is no way in hell that this girl did not think into this a lot more. And I don't think that she should have just walked free like that. Like I get she has, you know, the three years of community control, but no, I feel like there should have been more. I think that this girl should have at least gotten child endangerment, if anything. I get that there's not a lot of proof to back up murder or manslaughter, but child endangerment, she didn't call for help. She didn't try to go to the hospital. She didn't tell anybody. And not just that, she never bought this baby anything. She never planned to even have this kid. And that's what's so devastating is it's just like, if your child was alive that night, what would you have done? Like, hey mom, I just had a baby. Like, she, just like the prosecutor said, this little girl was never going to see the light of day. And I really do stand by that. So whether it was a stillbirth or not, I feel like if this baby was born alive, she would not be alive for that long. That is my opinion on it, 100%. I do want to hear from you guys. I am starting up an Instagram page. It is going to be, going to be Caffeine Crime Podcast. I will have it in the description. But I would love for you guys to go and comment on under the picture of this episode one, Brooke Skyler Richardson, and let me know your guys' thoughts on it. Do you think the mom was involved? What, what do you think went down that night? Because I feel like everybody has their own... Thing that they think happens. It's just another case that we'll just never know. The only person that will ever know is Skylar, maybe her mom. I did want to mention this last little piece because as I was wrapping up my notes on this, I had seen that Skylar came out for her first interview since the trial in November of this year. And she says in an interview with Cosmopolitan that her biggest regret is not having the strength to tell someone that she was pregnant. She said, I wish I would have done it differently. I'm plagued by guilt every day for not telling someone. She also retold her story, which sounded once again different, so her story's never been matched up. She said that she experienced a stillbirth, that her baby never cried, never opened her eyes, and the umbilical cord was in fact never attached. She named the baby Annabelle and then buried her, and she said, I decided to call her Annabelle. I didn't know anyone with that name, so I knew whenever I heard it, it would remind me of my baby girl. She discussed her depression during the trial and that she wished she could have died in place of Annabelle. Annabelle was buried in a plot far from their local town. I'm not exactly sure why. I'm assuming because of press and media. But Skylar states, it is such a relief to know that Annabelle is now in her final resting spot. I visit every week. Take what you will from that. I hope you guys still enjoyed this first episode. I know that I'm going to be riled up at the end of all of these, but I really am into these cases and I always want to pick my brain on what I think happened and that's why I would love to hear from you guys over on my Instagram. But if you are still interested in watching this case or trial, I recommend going straight to the closing arguments and sentencing because the rest is honestly a huge mess of repetitiveness and there's a lot that you'll sit through. I literally sat through this whole trial and thought I was going to die. Like, it was awful. So, like I said, my blog will be up when this is posted. So, I will have links and all that kind of stuff to the closing arguments, the sentencing, and 
um, her interviews in the interrogation room, some photos, and that type of ordeal if you guys would like to go check it out. But yeah, I hope the rest of you caffeine addicts and true crime addicts love this episode and the season that I'm bringing to you guys. I'm super excited to work on some upcoming episodes and I hope you guys are excited for them. Thank you guys so much for watching and or listening and I will be back next Tuesday with episode two.